0: Welcome to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over
1: your lifetime. Hey everybody, welcome back to Teaching Tax Flow, the podcast. On to episode 27 today, Alternative Investments. Specifically, we're going to take a glimpse into the exotic wildlife industry. Yes, that's a thing. Now, if you're not familiar with this, I almost guarantee you're asking yourself, what in the world are you guys doing talking about exotic animals? And how in the world does that relate to taxes? Well, Streppen, be ready for this one. But before we do that and introduce you to our fantastic guest as always, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Legacy Lock. If you are new to estate planning or simply need to review your current plan, Legacy Lock makes it as easy as pie. Legacy Lock is a unique platform that enables you to easily complete your attorney-drafted documents conveniently from the comfort of your home or office. Your first step to this peace of mind is simply visiting teachingtaxflow.com/legacy. Welcome back to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. I am John Tropolsky from the TTF team here with Chris Petira. How are we, Chris? I am
2: amazing, and I'm extremely excited about today's podcast. And there's another Chris on the cast today. The subject matter is absolutely fascinating. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to tax planning and strategy.
1: Well, Chris, you guys just like to make it difficult. Normally, like John's a more common name. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, the name John can be a a lot of things that we won't go into that topic on the podcast. But how about we talk about something different than taxes for a minute, right? Let's, Let's talk to probably the best individual that either of us have ever met or know in the industry. And of course we do weird stuff here or some people think that may or may not be related so we will let you figure out how that plays into effect but let's talk about the exotic wildlife business so if your ears pun intended ears are not perked chris
2: why don't you give the introduction to this gentleman here absolutely we are honored to be joined by chris gilroy of wildlife partners uh wildlife partners like you said is an innovative wildlife conservation company and we talk about that tax laws or tax agencies are your involuntary business partner all the time. That's one of our three laws of teaching tax flow. And if you didn't know that and you're listening, one, welcome to the podcast, and two, go back and start listening to episode one and catch up, but we're happy you're here. Uh, but we know that, so tax laws are written to encourage and discourage certain behavior. We talk a lot about real estate as being in an industry that is very much tax advantaged. But today... And there are a couple other industries that are tax-advantaged. But today, the wildlife, agriculture, that whole industry is very tax-advantaged. And we're going to dive into some of those tax advantages, along with some other things today with K- Chris Gilroy. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, it is it will be fun to uh, tag team with John
0: today, uh, given the fact that we have two Chrises. I only have one rule, and you cannot call me Chris
1: Exotic. Oh. Former stage name? <laughs> why well, let's uh i mean everybody knows we you cheesy thing let's address the <laughs> elephant in the room literally should we what <laughs> what in the world is exotic where what is the exotic wildlife business i mean do you guys run a zoo what what in the world are you guys doing over there in san antonio well, or, yeah. no john it's
0: actually kind of funny um there is this awesome amazing industry that started in 1930 in texas and it's uh it started to really get its new look in the fifties. And then it's just grown dynamically ever since then. And what it is, is it's wealthy landowners who have these amazing animals on their ranches. Um, we're now up to about 125 species. I'm talking everything from rhinos down to the smallest little gazelle that you see on that geo being chased by a cheetah. Um, it is everything in between. And it was it was started, like I said, back in the thirties. It grew over time. And, uh, what's, I think one of the most amazing things about it is people don't understand where the animals came from. They think that they were flown over on airplanes from Africa or Asia. and reality is they all came from zoos. It's, it's something that's been chronicled in many different, you know, news outlets over the last 15 years where there's been stories written about, it. but it's just this amazing industry where people are protecting wildlife. Many of which, by the way, are extinct where they come from in Africa, but they're thriving here in Texas. So you guys really are in the,
1: in the conservation business. I absolutely.
0: Like we've, got, we've got, we've got 15 species that are on the endangered species list. Uh, everything from absolutely gone where they come from in Africa to on the verge of extinction in Africa. And then some that are more stable, uh, like our Kenyan mountain bongo, I'm sorry. The, uh, the Grevy zebra, uh, the Grebby zebra, there's about 3000 globally. There's 2000 in Africa. Thankfully those are stable. Um, But it's one of the species that we have here in Texas, and we have some on
1: each one of our ranches. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to keep sucking the air out of the room. I don't know if I'm going to let the other Chris talk today because I'm so intrigued with this. So before we we find a way to circle this back into the tax space, um, just very very briefly, how in the world did you ever get into this? It was a tax dodge. That's what it was.
0: Uh, My brother and I were in a different industry, and it was fairly successful for us. And We had heard that if you purchased exotic wildlife for your ranch, for the purpose of breeding that you got to deduct at the time, it was bonus depreciation was 50%. So it was simply a way to cut our tax bill. It was the animals were purchased, um, as a means for reducing the tax bill. And then of course we figured out a couple of years later, we had to justify it as a business instead of a hobby. So we started selling some of the animals and back through that process we discovered there was this amazing industry out there where there was just a very sophisticated industry because it was an industry of the wealthy. And so we spent a few months really digging into it and decided to start a business around it. So truly a hobby that became a business that started by trying to avoid taxes
1: they worried. Right, well now i'll let the other chris talk now now that now that you you talk about double team it now that you completely stole my thunder because i'm trying to avoid him talking then you reeled <laughs> it back into
2: taxes so congratulations chris as you get the mic back well i want to talk about the tax part of the uh of, of wildlife um but again what i was surprised by is i've been working um working with the uh, wildlife partners for a few years in our private cpa practice is the conservation efforts uh, but again we we kind of think about that tax play but but there's also the conservation that you you described and that the industry has been around for almost a hundred years at this point so it's not something that just popped out in the last couple of years um i mean could well i'm going to ask a little one more thing is uh how did you pick uh, san antonio and why does san antonio work for this industry so we were already based there i mean that, that's home for us so that's the
0: clear obvious thing but the other aspect of it is the climate and terrain of the Texas Hill Country and surrounding areas, it mimics Africa. It's the same type of land, the same type of trees, the same type of grasses, the same weather for the most part. We get a little bit colder here than we do than they do in Africa, but it mimics it. And it's just ideal. And it's it's why Texas is Noah's Ark for these
2: species. Well, everything's bigger in Texas, we know. And not all, but not all the animals are, are large animals. Um... Uh, now let's talk, let's pivot on to the tax part of this. As you mentioned, um, with the tax cuts and well, bonus depreciation isn't a new concept. Uh, what bonus depreciation is for for listeners that aren't familiar with it is it's it's an additional deduction you get the first year that you buy an asset or place an asset in a service. And a lot of times we think about assets as a vehicle or a piece of property, but when you are breeding animals or far even farmers, uh, if they're if they're breeding cattle, um, the actual um, animal itself is considered a depreciable asset. doesn't mean we don't love them and we don't take care of them, but from a tax perspective, they're a depreciating asset. So with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, um, we were in, a, in the glory days of 100% bonus depreciation. We're still in a great situation here with 80% bonus depreciation here in 2023. And what that means is that uh, any amount invested in a depreciable asset, which is uh, not any depreciable asset, but let's say non-real estate related, um, minus the cost segregation study, but that's another episode. John knows I can't go down that rabbit hole. Um, you can deduct 80% of that asset immediately. Um, so that makes someone that's investing in allowing wildlife partners to expand expand its efforts um, to pick up some tax deductions. So Chris, can you talk just a little bit about, you know, what what type of uh, bonus depreciation someone might be able to enjoy um, typically with uh with looking at the wildlife partners investment? Sure, so right now with bonus mission appreciation being at 80%,
0: um, generally right now, someone's looking at a first year deduction of about 82 or
2: 83% because of the other expenses plus the depreciation of the animals. It, and the nice thing is with with something like this, a lot of times, a, a, let's say someone's self-employed and they, they do want to put some money in motion in, in a tax advantaged way. Um, when you they're talking about retirement plan contributions like a SAP or or something like that, there are some significant limitations on how much you could put in those accounts. So this is an investment that really complements um, a lot of the other things that you're doing and diversifies um, your asset class. Also, so um, there's another part of this too that lends itself to other strategies. Um, we also know you know we know that different income is taxed uh, or income is taxed differently based on what type of income it is, and we know that capital gains especially long-term capital gains, are taxed at, let's say, about a 50% of the rate of of normal income. Um, do Does t- the capital gains tax play a role with wildlife partners at all? It actually does. So um, the cash
0: flow that we generate from the funds that we manage, um, because we keep that offspring for at least a year and a day, the income that's generated um, from those sales is taxed
2: at long-term cap gains. Mm-hmm. And now that's very valuable when we're talking in the teaching tax flow system um uh, tax-free income and growth and a lot of times we see taxpayers that want to diversify their their portfolio they want to talk to the folks at wildlife partners and let's say they're sitting on a long-term capital loss of uh, a real real situation uh, we looked at a tax return in our private practice just today had a two hundred long long-term capital loss carry forward uh that they're only de- de- being able to deduct $3,000 $3, per year. They've, they were involved with some bad investments, had, had some bad advice. Well, for someone like that, that long-term capital gain from an investment like this would actually be tax-free until they expire that $200,000 of capital loss. Um, so a lot of time, it's called capital gain harvesting, but a lot of times, not only could this be a good investment, um, it could also have some big tax benefits. And I have another question as far as if we strip away the tax benefits, we're just going to touch on that one more time before we end. What are just from a, from a, can you walk us through a typical life cycle of a transaction with breeding the animals offspring and how they're, you know, how are they, how are they monetized? Sure. So the
0: way our funds generally model out is uh, when we start the fund, we're going to acquire the entire herd of animals. It's going to take a good year to get those all in place then, as we mentioned, we keep all of the offspring born for at least a year before we sell them. So you're not looking at any type of return other than that initial year tax savings until somewhere around the 18th to the 21st month of the fund being active. I can't remember if you said three or four pinnacles to what you were talking about with teaching tax flow. I look at any investment in today's world as having three things that I personally look for. One is, um, does it do something good for the world? So an impact investment. Two is, does it actually have the ability to make money? And three is, can it also reduce my tax bill? And I like the fact that what we do touches all of those for
2: each person we built with. Absolutely. You you nailed that. And a question we get in the Teaching Tax little community and in, uh, in our Defeating Taxes private Facebook group, defeatingtaxes.com, if you have a question and you want to jump in. Can you, so a lot of times people want to get involved, taxpayers want to get involved with, uh, with, with. With an investment like this, but they might not have the liquid cash available. They're interested in investing within a retirement plan. Is that possible at all? Yes, we are always set up with multiple different um, houses
0: that have our facility on their have our product on their platform. So we've got several different
2: um, custodians across America we've used over the last five years. That's on. That's how we connected a few years ago, um, mm-hmm. as well, and. And again one of the you know we talk a lot about blending we're talking about breeding today so we're going to talk a little bit about blending tax strategies and there are some really we're not going to dive into the weeds too much but there's some really good ways that you can blend an investment like this with with strategies like a Roth conversion so a lot of, especially a lot of our listeners our business owners they might they might have a good amount of cash flow in a year but they won't have a lot of taxable income and they find it it's a good year to Accelerate income and, and maybe do a Roth conversion and then with you couple that with an investment like this. Um, in and, and we just had a great episode with a self directed IRA expert. Then you could really do some cool things. Um, so again, yeah, we don't want Chris to dive. Oh, go ahead. And,
1: no, no, no. I'm sorry. I say
2: Chris and everybody raised their
1: hand. <laughs> Chris, you're really Chris. Um, before we, before we get too far into it too, like talk us maybe through a little bit, not to, not to deviate or pull off of the tax side, but what are some myths that people may think of, you know, that you may maybe get these questions of, and it's just, it's either so far fetched that it's almost hilarious or ones that just may be a little bit different of what somebody's thinking. Just because even from a personal opinion or a personal perspective, Chris Pacuro, Chris, um, had mentioned You know, y'all to me probably a few years ago now, maybe. And I had that moment of like, what, again, like what in the world is that? And then obviously after that kind of state of shock, if you will, comes a lot of questions. So maybe walk us through three or four or however many come to mind of just kind of myths we could debunk here.
0: Sure. So the biggest myth without any question is most people from not in Texas make the assumption that these animals are simply raised for someone to go hunt them. And that's not what we do. And there are several factors for that. Look, I, I enjoy hunting. A lot of our partners enjoy hunting. Um, but we're not a big player in the commercial hunting industry. There's a, a myriad of factors. There's the fact we do a lot of business with zoos. Um, the fact that some of those guys don't hunt ethically, so we don't work with them. But if, what it really comes down to is there's this very sophisticated industry of wealthy landowners that like having these animals on their ranches, and they don't ever plan to hunt them. They simply have them there for aesthetics, for conservation, for um, keeping up with the judges, bragging rights, fun factor. But the other side of that is we've taught them um, to steal some pages out of Chris, Chris's bucket. We've taught them how to convert their ranch property, their vacation property into a business. So now they're able to take tax deductions on their ranches. We're coming back and we're buying all of the offspring they produce in the second year, so now they're generating income. So they're literally justifying their vacation property as a business, and there are endless possibilities to that. So the hunting industry is not where we play. Um, the animals that we produce from these funds are not sold directly to commercial hunting ranches. So it's, that's the biggest myth that's out there. It's one of the first questions I get from anyone that's not around this world is, are they just being raised so somebody can hunt them? So. Fairly, what are the next big myth might be? Um, I think people generally assume these animals are running around in a zoo-type environment. Um, they're shocked to find out that between our four ranches, we have 11,000 acres. And an average pen, if you will, the air quotes for the audio of, of portion of this, is about 500 acres. So that's a pen for us. Um, so you're definitely not throwing them into a doghouse. No, these... These animals are running around in a very wild environment. We want them getting about 80% of their nutrition off the land. And then about 20% supplemented from us that will teeter more towards us in the winter, you know, or during lean rain years. But, um, that's probably the biggest, I guess, myths that are out there. Um, most people, quite frankly, have just never heard of it. They're, they're shocked to hear that there's this billion dollar industry in Texas selling animals because it's just, it's, they build under it. It's kind of like when you when you first heard about it, John, you're like, state what? Like, this is doing what, where? Um, it's actually been talked about recently on another podcast from a guy named Joe Rovin, you may know the name. Um, mm-hmm. He's talked about it twice in the last three months because he now
1: lives in Texas and he's seen it. And it's it's flooring to most people. That'd probably be it for myths. No, but, and thank you for diving into both of those two in detail, right? Because it's something that if you don't know what it is, again, you have more questions than answers. So to kind of reiterate a couple of things, one of which you said, you know, early on, I mean, this is not something that you just kind of pull out of a hat and said, you know, what I'm going to start raising animals and you know, saving the, the wildlife world has been going on for 100 plus years, well, almost 100 years since 1930s. So it's so obviously the credibility is there, and then to also hear that you know y'all are just raising these like sheep, you know, nothing against sheep, but you know, they they have a very specific purpose in life or cattle. You know what I mean? Just it's not a not I should say designed and, and executed in a commercial environment for consumption or, or enjoyment in that sense. So thank you for going to, going to those two details too. We really, appreciate there's probably it. one more myth that now that you bring that up, there's probably one more myth out there. It's
0: just because the industry has been just on fire for the last 15 years or so. Um, everybody's making the assumption there has to be some bubble, if you will, coming. They compare it to the ostrich and the emu thing back in the nineties. I don't know if you recall that or not, where, it was supposed to be the next food source and they were really easy to raise and breed. And so everybody was buying up ostrich and emu and you had individual pairs, like two ostrich selling for a hundred grand. Um, we're, we've seen similar prices. A great example is there was an auction this last weekend with a friend of ours. They had one buffalo in that auction and she sold for $790,000.
1: Holy cow. What, If you don't mind me asking, like, what would what makes that buffalo worth that much versus you know, the one a couple no, of miles up the road from me. There's only a few hundred Cape
0: buffalo in America. The, the animal you're talking about is a bison, it's an American bison, where there's thousands and thousands of those here in America. In America, we estimate there's no more than about 400 Cape buffalo. We happen to be the largest owner of Cape buffalo in America. We've got about probably 65 of them right now. Um, but that price, the gut set was even beyond. We had just sold three of the prior week for an average of 500,000 each. And we saw them set for 790, so We have a very happy customer right now, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but people make the, the assumption that there's this bubble getting ready to burst, and what they don't understand is there's a very substantial um, gap between supply and demand right now in Texas. I mean, you've got a demand that is through the roof, that is increasing every single day because our industry is becoming more sophisticated, more intelligent, and they're becoming more successful with animals because. It, things that we and others are doing to make the industry a better place, well, at the same time, the supply is tiny. And it's been that way forever and there's really no way to change it because we can't import anything because of foot-and-mouth disease or or mad cow disease. So you can't bring anything here from Africa because every country in Africa has had a history of that disease. So we've got this crazy ever-growing demand and a supply that's very, very tight and really isn't having trapping trouble growing. And so I don't feel like there's a bubble, but there's, that's what everybody assumes that there's going to be some bubble, but you can look to the history of South Africa to say a similar story. It took them 30 years of 20% compounding growth before they had what they called the bubble. And it was because they went from hundred thousand animals to 28 million, which is a big number. Right now we have less than 200,000 animals here. So we're like in nineteen ninety four when they started their industry in nineteen ninety one, to put it in
1: perspective. Why? Well, I will I'll shut up with my questions because I feel like I can talk for hours on this. I'm so intrigued. And and I know Chris, we're we're headed out your way um a little bit later, I think, in, in the next quarter here, a couple months to come uh, you know, play with some animals. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna try to
2: ride a zebra, I promise. Oh, I Although know. to see that and, and I'd feel bad for the zebra.
1: Although Chris saw you Cape Buffalo. You know, I'd I don't think me last so on a five hundred well, no, a $750,000 animal now is probably a good idea. Although, you know, yeah, Chris, yeah. the other Chris, you know, he runs like a gazelle, so, you know, we could just let him loose in a field and I'll, I'll run it down.
2: Oh, no, I don't think, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'm gazelle-like anymore. Uh, and if, John, I thought, I think if you, if you imagine uh, riding a $790,000, uh, um, riding in something or on something, $790,000, you're probably thinking of exotic cars. I know you're our guy. I just yeah. want to test; you know, Those are a little more predictable, I think. You know, it's it's easier to, yeah, anyways, I digress. I just <laughs> want to test that, I mean, we had a, um, a, a one of my friends who's a, one of our, a client of our private CPA firm go out to do his own due diligence at the Wildlife Partners and took his buddy uh, and went to one of the auctions. And they had a, a great time and just were had glowing uh, things to say about the operation and how professional things are. And, um, and, you know, that was, that's, and I could say from experience on the tax side, you know, this is um, for the right person, this could really make sense. One of the challenges is, and that's what I'm going to mention now, is that, there, like Chris Gilroy said, you don't, there's not a, um, supply is tough to develop. So there's not an unlimited amount of supply, meaning they don't take in an unlimited amount of money. It's not like a, a mutual fund that could just, you could just dump as much money as you want into. And I will say that these these investment opportunities will, it's not a matter of if, it's when they when they cap out. And, and every year I've been working with this, it caps out sooner and sooner in the year. And so the fact that there's a lot of times there are investors at the end of the year that are trying to take advantage of the strategy and there's no more inventory of, of uh left to to invest in um so if you if you want to learn more about this please let us know here at teaching tax flow or check out the wildlife partners facebook or not facebook by wildlifepartners.com website we'll have that in, in the show notes and they have a really cool um facebook they have an instagram page really cool facebook page that updates on um statistics and inventory and things from the auctions um that i, I like to follow myself so
1: excellent Excellent. Well, well, Chris Gilroy, is there anything else maybe that you might want to might want to toss in here? I know we kind of dove off on on a couple angles, and again, we look forward to chatting with you for a long time when we're out there. But I think we. You know, I just
0: I, I tell you one thing that's been amazing about this is there's a lot of things you can do in the world, and it's with with your investments and your tax savings strategies and everything else. I think the best thing for me, not the best thing, but something that's surprised me is how much people want to be involved in this. Um, when we have an auction, like we have an auction coming up May 5th and 6th, there will be 350 to 400 people there. So of that group, there's going to be over a hundred of those that are partners in what we do. And, uh, like, you know, Chris mentioned his partner, he, one of his uh, client, longtime clients came down brought a buddy and they were just floored. He got to meet all these people from all different walks of life from all across America that shared this common bond of being involved in this crazy wildlife partners thing. And it was just a lot of fun and people tend to come visit, you know, once a year besides the auctions. Um, And it's, it's just fun watching people get involved with stuff because it's hard to get involved in a real estate deal. It's hard to get involved in other stuff like that. So it's, uh, but this is something that people can actually be involved in and who wouldn't want to see a bongo or a Grevy Zebra or a, you know, maybe not a Cape Buffalo, they're kind of an angry cow, but (laughs) they're expensive, too. they're expensive, angry cows, that is correct. But uh so it's, it's just like a perfect, perfect. storm. I, I feel very, very blessed and fortunate to be a part of this industry. Um and I've just I've met we've met so many awesome people over the years, and it's fun when those people develop um I think of the right word, uh a, an appreciation and admiration for exactly what's going on here in Texas. And not just with us, it's with everybody. You can't have an industry of our size with just one company, and there's just there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good for these animals.
2: Excellent. Well, I really want I've, again I thank you so much for coming on. Um, um please let us know. Jump in that defeating taxes private Facebook group or just message us uh, here hello at teaching dot com or wildlifepartners.com. There you're a cool website with a lot of neat information.
1: Excellent. Well thank well thank you both Chris's. We'll call it Chris Squared for jumping into mm-hmm. this, both sides of the fence. But um, again, Chris Kilroy, we'll be we'll be seeing you. I haven't had the opportunity to meet you in person yet, so I really look forward to that. And yeah, you know, we'll find a good place where we can let the let the other Chris <laughs> run out in the field somewhere, and you know, maybe maybe release something behind him and chase him around a little bit. But I would pay for that. I would definitely sell tickets to that, and we that would be some good YouTube content, right? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Jason yes, CPA, there we go. We'll, we'll place bets. But all kidding aside, thank you, gentlemen, so much. And Chris, thank you for going into detail. You on those myths and really just everything that you guys are doing out there um, as expected it's it's even better than I thought it was so I really appreciate your insight awesome guys I appreciate it absolutely and thank you everybody for joining us again on our podcast here we have some great guests coming up here in the next week uh, actually a couple of weeks after this we've got some good ones and some good topics too so be on the lookout for those and again as Chris Picuro mentioned um, any questions that you guys may have please jump into that Defeating Taxes Facebook group send us a message reach directly out to Wildlife Partners um, I know we would love to help out and answer any questions that we can, but obviously they would be a great resource on their own as well. So thank you so much, and we will see everybody next week. Hey, everybody. John Trapalski here, as always, from Teaching Taxville the podcast. Again, just wanted to wrap this up. Thank you, as always, for taking the time, hanging out with us for about 25 minutes or so. Chris Bacuro, always an awesome co host with myself, Chris Gilroy from the Wildlife Partners, fantastic guest. Learned a lot this one. Um, And to be honest, it was one that I had no idea what it even was until maybe about a year ago or so when me and Chris Bacuro were chatting about some alternative investments and really just the opportunities that those present um, as part of a really, really robust tax strategy. So, As we always, we mentioned, jump into our Defeating Taxes private Facebook page, or group, I should say, um, with any questions you have. But on this one, maybe a little different. If you're not comfortable asking those questions on there, maybe related to these alternative investments or or wildlife partners specifically, again, reach out to them, Chris and the team, um, or send us an email at hello at teachingtaxflow.com. We're happy to make some connections. We're happy to answer some questions for you one-on-one, whether that's from Chris on our team, Nate on our team or myself, um, we're happy to help you out. Um, but a little bit different on this one as well, I think the big ask that I have for everybody now is wherever you listen to this podcast, give us a rating, uh, leave some comments, share with your friends, your colleagues, your family, um, really just get it out there. Um, we're seeing our downloads skyrocket on this show, which obviously we love seeing. We love that people are interacting with this and really consuming these podcasts, sending us their questions, sending us their comments. Um, We love doing these, so be sure to give us them ratings, bump us up there in the listings a little bit, help us out, um, and we'll keep trucking along. So thank you as always. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer.